0: Alright, so welcome everybody. Thank you for being here. This is, uh, I don't know, like episode 20 or something like that wow. of the DFCC <laughs> podcast and we have a special guest today and, uh, you know, he's, he's my dad. He was uh, with us this Sunday. Uh, we had a special Q&A uh, on Sunday where, uh, some of you guys already know this, but we had people send in questions and we titled uh, the message, Ask Anything. So we got like 15, uh, actually there were more more than 15 questions, but we had to sort of compile some of them because they were kind of on the same topic. And so uh, a special welcome to my dad. He's here in our podcast. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. It's his first podcast. It's my first one. It's your first one. How does it feel?
1: uh, I need a lot of forgiveness, a lot of grace. (laughs) Don't we all?
0: (laughs) So you're saying that in advance. That's right. Because you never know what can happen. And so, well, I was telling my dad earlier, uh, as we were getting ready, that podcasts are different than like messages or sermons or even like being on the radio. It's a little bit different, uh, at least the way I understand it. And it's just a conversation. It's basically uh, because my dad and I, you know, you and I, we talk all the time uh, with with, uh, different people that I've had on the podcast. We talk all the time. And so it's basically that, but having other people listen in. Right. So that's kind (laughs) of, it's kind of that whole idea.
1: It's it's uh, interesting to have other people listen in. Yep. I'll have to be careful to make sure I don't say anything really strange. Oh, yeah. my my dad. <laughs> honestly,
0: my dad's probably the most. Um, how would I describe him? He's the he like when he talks, even at, at home. Like some some pastors, I don't know. I'm not. I don't know that many pastors in, in their private life. But I've heard that there are many pastors that they have one life that's the public one, which is the life that mm-hmm. they have on stage, and the life that you know they project because you're projecting a certain a certain life, and then at home it's a whole different story. Mm. And one of the things I love about you, and I, I've I've said this to other people too. One of the things I love about you is that there is not a different person at home than the person that's on stage.
1: Well, I'm not smart enough to
0: do that. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, good. You just get one. Yeah, you just get the same one. Well, <laughs> it's good because I feel like you don't you don't feel that pressure, you mm. know, to have to. I mean, of course. When you're on stage, you're preaching. So it's a different way of talking um, when you're counseling and meeting with people and stuff like that. But then at home, you're just, this, you're, you were always that same guy, right? you know, right. and I, I it, it should be that way always, like it should be that way with everybody, but I've just heard too many stories of mm. pastors who, you know, what you see in front of the cameras or what you see on stage is a totally <laughs> different person than what you see in private. I
1: hear what you're saying. I'm not a very good actor, so... okay. I, I don't think I could pull that one, that one off. Yeah, well, it was probably a good thing. I got to be the same guy.
0: Yeah. You know? you know, one of the things we didn't talk about on Sunday, well, there's actually a bunch of questions that we didn't get to. I mean, on first service, we got through how many? Like four? Something like that. Maybe yeah. four or yeah. five questions. And then second service, I think about the same amount. All right. Something like that. And, and a so, couple of different
1: questions, but yeah, pretty much the same.
0: So I have the rest of the questions here, and we may or may not, may not get to them. I do want to hit some of them at least, because we did say that on Sunday, mm-hmm. that we would try and hit more questions uh, through a podcast. But one of the things that I wanted to ask you, and it's something that we didn't talk about at all in any of the services, because we talked about missions and we talked a little bit about theology, but about your work in Chile with schools. Oh, and I think that would okay. be really cool for people to, to hear because there's the uh, there's the pastor side. You've been preaching your whole life. You planted a bunch of churches in Chile. But then there's this whole other side that is also mission related, but it's schools. Mm. And so, yeah, it's just oh, and don't don't feel like you have to be like, what's the word? Um, like humble about it. <laughs> OK, just <laughs> tell us some numbers and some things that you've done. And I think it'd be cool for people to hear.
1: Well, I, I appreciate you asking that that question. Uh, it's not hard to be humble about it because, as you've said over and over again in your preaching, it's God does all the work. Uh, we discovered that after we'd been there about a year, year and a half, that uh, we had planned to be missionaries for two years. But about that point, about the year and a half point, it began to understand uh, understand what God was calling me to do. Mm-hmm. And actually I was never a very good preacher. I was never uh I was a horrible youth minister. I didn't last very long in that by my own decision. Uh, but I found that being a missionary opened up the doors for me to do what, what God had equipped me to do. Mm. So it was it was fun for me to start churches. It was fun to gather people together and and uh, get the first group going, especially when most of the people were new believers. Mm. That was a lot of fun. But in uh, in the early 1980s, the government uh, needed to have more schools, and so they decided that instead of the government building all new schools, they would offer vouchers uh, to any school that would take in the new students. And with the vouchers, you would be able then to... Uh, eh, pay the bills of the school right. and, and keep it going. It wasn't money to start up a school, but it was money that could be used to pay the teachers, to pay all of all of the expenses that you had. And I happen to have been preaching a, a series of sermons, and the last sermon I can remember real well saying to all of the people, there's nothing impossible for God. Mm. God can do anything, and you just need to trust God. If he calls you to do something, he'll... Mm. Provides provide, you to yeah. do it. And this middle-aged lady after church comes up to me and says, uh, Pastor Steve, um, is it, would it be impossible for God to start a,
0: a school? You mean a Christ, like a Christian school, like right? Like a Christian yeah, school.
1: Yeah. She, in uh, and, and middle age, had gotten her teaching credential to, for kindergarten mm. students. And so there was a special interest for her, but there was even a greater interest for uh, in in general. And on Sundays, especially, you want to give the best answer that you can. And I said, uh, of course, A sister, her name was no, uh, Naomi, right? no, I mean. Naomi. Yeah. I said, uh, there's nothing impossible for mm. God. And she says, well, then what do we do? Well, I thought very quickly, my kids, Nate and Josh, this is uh, Nate is Josh's older brother. We're in a tiny little school that met in a house. Mm -hmm. I remember that school. And I immediately thought, if this person, without even asking God for help, can start a school in a house, Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to say we can't do that. So I I just said, well, try to gather up a few people that you think are interested in this, and let's talk about it. Well, she did immediately. She grabbed a whole bunch of people and said, "Uh, what do you think about starting a school? i didn't know anything about starting a school it was all new to me all of the the paperwork involved all i knew was the government can pay the bills yeah and uh as long as you have the startup money you were the how place. old back then let's see this was i was 30 32 232? 31 yeah. 32 yeah. yeah when we started uh <laughs> i just go okay lord i have no idea what to do where do i start so i just went to the different offices and asked them, uh, what do I need to do to start a school? Nobody could give me the information. Mm. There was no one place that said, here's how you start a school. That's
0: frustrating. No internet back then, so you just no, literally no. had to talk to people. I had and to talk figure to people,
1: out. and you had to look for paperwork okay. and ask anyone who had started one. And even the ones that had started, like
0: where Nate and Josh went to school, it was what? Forty kids. Oh yeah, it was a small school. Yeah, it was a house. It was just a little house. house, Exactly. Yeah, it was a two-story house, Mm -hmm. and on the second story there was a balcony, and no one was allowed to go on the balcony because the balcony was broken. But you could open the door. (laughs) So imagine all these kids, and they kept telling us, "Don't, don't go out there, don't go out there," because you could literally fall right through it. Right, Right. So that's how I'm sure things have changed now. Well, regulations and stuff.
1: Yeah, it's all changed from the beginning. But in at that time, the government wanted. Yeah. Uh, Schools for the students that the public schools were not able to handle. Mm -hmm. Uh, Part of the tricky part was the first year you don't get any money. So you have to exist and you have to have the infrastructure, the buildings, uh, the offices, the bathrooms, the classrooms and the teaching staff. And that all has to be approved. And so the second year they will give you vouchers.
0: So did they do it like, like uh, what's the word, um, retroactivo? No, like, it wasn't retroactive. Oh, so you had it to was, come up with a bunch of money to to get started. In
1: in the beginning. Of course, when we started, it was interesting that in dollars, a teacher got about $50 a month mm. for teaching full-time.
0: That's when the dollar was like at 100 pesos, something like that. Right, it was at 39 pesos. 39. Yeah. So
1: it was $50 for a teacher. That's, that's pretty easy in terms of dollars. Yeah. But uh, as we began to develop this thing, people said, well, I teach in one school in the morning. I could teach in this new school in the afternoon. Mm. Or I teach in the afternoon, and I could teach in the morning. And several of the people, in fact, uh, the person who is now Josh's Mm father-in-law and mother-in-law, both of them said, we will do it, but we'll do it for free. Mm -hmm. And several other people did the same thing. We'll do it for free because we believe this is a good project. Mm. But we didn't have any land. We didn't have... It didn't have anything, yeah. and $50 was even a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And to commit to having, in the beginning, we were going to start from kindergarten through fifth grade, mm-hmm. to have six teachers at $50, that seemed, That was miracle time that yeah. we needed. Um, but we trusted God. We didn't have a piece of land. And uh, to make a long story short, we got a miracle from God for that, that a piece of land that was at that time a half a million dollars. I'm talking about dollars, not yeah. basically, a half a million dollars. We ended up paying over a 30-month period a total of $65,000 mm. for a property that was worth a half a million dollars. And we began building, and we began getting things together. And can I
0: can I just connect two stories here real quick? Because mm-hmm. some of you guys may have heard me preach on a Sunday, and I, and I talked about this story once about my dad. I, t- I, I shared this story of... Of I was I was young, I was little, and my dad drove me to this place, took me in his car, and I'm like, Where are we going? He's like, just I'll show you. And he's like, I want to show you something. Mm-hmm. And we parked in this place and he showed me this empty field. There might have been a couple of like houses there, but they were like, what do you call them? Like squatters? Squatters, houses. Yeah, houses. I mean, it was
1: actually a garbage dump.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so he <laughs> And so he shows me this land and it's empty. And and I'm like, why are we here? And you were like, you know what I see here? Mm. You say I see a building right here, I see teachers, mm. I see um I see students running around, mm. I see kids getting educated, I see families finding hope. And I'm like, it seemed like insanity to me. Mm. Only until a couple of years later, what the that empty field that he showed me was exactly like he described it. And right. so it's I heard a pastor once say this. He said this, it's only crazy until it happens.
1: Mm. Yeah, people thought we were crazy. Yeah, I mean, uh, it it didn't seem to be the right location. It didn't seem to be uh, anything. People said no. Most people said no. You're it's going to fail. Mm. You don't have the money. You you don't have the experience. It's going to fail. In fact, uh, I can remember real well. We thought if we could get fifty students, we mm. would. It would be a miracle. Mm-hmm. Fifty students from kindergarten through fifth grade. It'd be, you know. Seven, eight, nine kids per per class, mm-hmm. and we prayed, and, and I talked to all of the churches in the area and said, uh, you know, it's going to be a Christian school. You need to send your kids. Mm-hmm. The surprise was that almost, well, very few people from churches showed up. Interesting. Uh, but people from the community wanted to get involved in a new project, and so most of the students that we had didn't come from Christian families. And the first year, we ended up with 76 students. Mm-hmm. And we thought, wow, this is, this is great. And without any more advertising or anything, the next year we had 220. Mm-hmm. And then we had the next year 340. And then we had 540. Then we're up into the 700s, 800, 900. Um, you've heard it said it's a God thing. Yeah. When God is going to do his work to build a church or to build a school or a ministry or an institute, or these crazy ideas that we have to do social work or mission work. Mm. Uh, God puts the vision there Mm. because you can't invent it. And if it's not a conviction, uh, then you have to wonder if if it's your own ideas or if it's God's ideas. So a lot of it was just, okay, Lord, what's the next step? Mm. What, What do I do now? After the first school, then, the next one becomes easier. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so we began starting uh, schools, um, one every couple of years. Uh, We were able to start uh, uh, 10 schools from scratch, and then we administered four more schools over the last years. And the total number of the 10 schools is about 6,000 students now. Wow. Uh, And those
0: schools are still in operation to this day.
1: God blessed. and, And... a lot of, and some of the churches that we started they didn't last mm-hmm. they functioned for a while, but then there were problems and they didn't last. but in every school that God has led us to start mm-hmm. uh has continued yeah and so it's all the glory for God uh i would there are days when I'd like to take some credit for it mm-hmm. and I've told people you know it's just not my fault i work <laughs> I work really hard, but it's it's uh if God doesn't bless it. There's yeah. nothing you can do. And I know people who have worked just as hard as I have mm-hmm. and uh, aren't very successful. Yeah. In this, uh, we just rejoice with every new student that comes, every new teacher. And obviously, since most of the students that came in the beginning were not from Christian families, mm. it gave us a great opportunity to give testimony. Yeah. Uh, we had, at the beginning every year, we have several hundred students in the different schools that come to Christ uh and decide to follow him for the first time so we're excited about that that's very cool yeah.
0: what would you say to the to the people listening or watching right now that have trouble figuring out the will of God or their purpose wow.
1: Wow. I've,
0: I've thought about that
1: a lot uh, Josh um, probably one of the, the difficult questions in the Christian life once you've decided to follow Christ and uh, you've uh, understand the gospel uh, that jesus did everything for us mm. uh, the question comes well now what what uh, you feel uh, after understanding that god has saved us there's a feeling a profound feeling and an, an overwhelming feeling of, of of gratefulness of gratitude and you say okay i other people need to know this mm. and other people need to to get this but uh, when you talk about God's will, we know that Scripture is, is very clear on certain things. It, it just says, this is the will of God. Yeah. And you go, wow, yeah, that, that's the will of God, rejoice in all things. Okay, uh, that's the will, because that's the will of God in Christ Jesus. But when you get down to the other, I think I've, I've chosen over the years to give it a different name Uh, In the beginning, because what you're trying to do is follow the Spirit's leading. Yep. And whatever the Spirit is leading, uh, that then is God's will, Mm -hmm. obviously. Uh, It's like with Philip and the the guy from Ethiopia. The eunuch, yeah. You go, these two guys, God connected them. Mm. Well, that was, in both parts, it says it was God's Spirit that that led them. And in the same way, if it's not God's Spirit, it's just stupid. Mm-hmm. If it is God's spirit that's leading you, then you try to be sensitive to that, realizing that we can easily make mistakes and, yeah. and not interpret it right. But when it becomes a conviction that this is God, this mm. is what God would have me do, then uh, then it changes. And that only comes through prayer. Yeah. Uh, people often ask me, mm. how did you get to Chile? Mm. Well, I'd never intended to be a missionary. Mm-hmm. That was the furthest thing from my mind. God had already twisted my arm, and and I was a pastor of a church and and did uh, in several churches. Um, And so a friend of mine came to our little church who was going to go as a missionary to Chile, Mm. and he said, well, can I speak at your church and you can take up an offering? "Eh, I'll do that. And in that process, uh, it connected him with my brother who was a pastor of another church. And so... The Sunday came where he went to my brother's church and he told the story of what was happening in Chile and how we needed workers and there were so many responsive people and he went to my brother's church and that very Sunday, they woke up in the morning, a normal Sunday and he shared about Chile and my brother immediately that Sunday with his wife, the youth minister and his wife, an intern and his wife, they all said that very Sunday, we're going to Chile. (laughs) and my, my so brother half called me after staff was gone just exactly from one it, day to the next. it was surprising that the senior minister didn't decide <laughs> that too uh he became a great supporter and long story short uh mm. that church immediately started supporting three missionary families mm. and that happened in one sunday when no one was expecting Whoa. it well my brother calls me up and says steve come with us mm. i just told him i said woody and that's my brother's name woody you're crazy i'm not adventurous i'm a homebody." I kind of like it here in Napa, California. It's a beautiful place. People even like me. I can tell silly jokes, and they're probably going to smile. And to go to Chile, that's that's out of the question. we got a, a little baby named Josh, and we've got his older brother who's about two years old, and I'm not going to do anything mm. like that. And so my friend comes over and spends the week with me. We used to, in high school, play golf together. Mm. We loved to play golf together, and in Napa, we have the Silverado Country Club, which is where Johnny Miller has his home, or at that time had his home. And, and we had a member of our church that would get us on for free. So it's a really expensive club. And mm. so we went out as often as we could during the week. And I kept asking my friend, his name is Chris, I said, Chris, uh, when are you going to tell me about Chile? He said, no, no, just wait till Sunday. Mm. Well, my brother's going, and the youth minister is going, and an intern is going, and they're taking their families. What's this all about? no 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 just wait till sunday so i was thinking what's what's going to happen on sunday he gets up and gives his whole spiel and our church go wow chris that's great for you and i told him chris boy that's great for you god bless you i'm glad he's calling you there and and so we went out after service and i was not thinking too much about it at all and uh i knew that wasn't what god wanted mm. i you know you're second guessing god but i knew that wasn't it and So we have dinner, and he gets in his little Volkswagen. He's going to head off back to his home in Missouri. This was in California. And he rolls down his window, and he said, Well, Steve, uh, you don't sound very interested. Would you at least pray about it? Well, it was also Sunday. Mm. And on Sunday— You have to give a good answer. uh, What am I going (laughs) to answer answer this guy? I had read something— not long before that that said when you when you make an agreement to pray for somebody mm-hmm. make it very specific mm-hmm. so I said uh yeah Chris I'll pray about it for 30 days about mm. 30 days I'll be done with this so I, I did I went back to my office in the morning and started praying Lord I know that you don't want me to do this but <laughs> my friend is so intent and my brother is so insistent and you know talk to them I I've, I've got the everything clear here and I was preaching a series of sermons on finding God's will. Mm -hmm. That's where we started, finding God's will. And the second week I got a little more sincere. I said, I'm pretty sure this isn't for me because you know how I am. I'm quiet type and I'm not adventurous. I'm not gonna go do crazy things like this. My brother will do that. By the third week I was getting more sincere and I realized the problem was not so much geographic as it was where am I? I was telling God, like I've shared with many people before, I know this isn't what you want me to do, mm. but I never asked him, mm. is this what you want me to do? I finally got down to day 27. I can remember sitting in my office going, Lord, I have to confess, this is really hard for me to, to admit, but I just want to say I'm willing to go anywhere, anytime, at any cost whatever it takes Mm. i just have to know Mm. for sure i need to know your will are you leading me to this Mm. or not we're happy where we are Uh, that was a breakthrough for me because even as a child as i shared with some people on sunday i I was telling god i'm not going to be a preacher i'm not going to be a a teacher in a bible seminary i'm definitely not going to be a missionary and so for me that was i'd already been preaching eight years mm. and finally came to the the rock hard place of saying am i going to be obedient to god no matter what or am i holding back and mm. and it felt great except i had no idea if he wanted me to be a missionary in chile or not. Mm. and so i threw away all my notes about finding god's will mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i'm not recommending this to anybody yeah but I wrote down 10 things. I said, God, I need to be sure about mm. this. I'm not going to take my kids around the world and my wife around the world. We don't have any money. We we don't have any experience. I mean, I know what missionary life is like because of my parents, but uh, i got to know for sure. Mm. And so I wrote down 10 things. I says, Lord, if you do these 10 things, then I'll know. I've got to know. Mm. I, I think that's good advice, though, for a, for a person trying to find – Uh, God's will or God's leading uh, in us. So I wrote it down, and almost all of them were impossible. Mm. And the first one was the one that surprised me the most. I said, I'm in this little church. I haven't been a preacher all that long. Uh, You're going to have to send a preacher here, but I'm not going to tell anybody I'm even thinking about this. Mm. And I didn't. I didn't want anybody to know that I was even thinking about this. And Within 24 hours, I got a phone call, and I never get this kind of phone calls. A guy calls me and says, my name is so-and-so. I was praying this morning, and uh, I'm praying that God would lead me to be a pastor of a church. I have a business. I have a job, so I don't need a lot of money. Uh, And I'm convinced, and that was his words, I'm convinced that you have an answer for me. Whoa. Uh, I I got so choked up. I, I'm going to have to call you back. I don't know what to tell you. And later, a few days later, I called him back and said, "Well, don't share this with anybody. But here's what's going on." But there were ten things. the The, the last thing was my ace that I could play at any mm-hmm. time. My wild card I could play. I knew that Colleen, my wife, she speaks her mind very freely, mm-hmm. and and I knew that she didn't want to go. So I knew that even if God did these nine things. I was going to ask Colleen, I'd already played it out in my mind, uh, what do you think, should we go to Chile? Yeah. And I knew her answer. No, we have two little kids, we're mm-hmm. happy here, we like it, people like us, and the whole, the whole 10 yards. And she surprised me. I said, Colleen, what, what do you think? She says, the only thing I know is that if, if you think that God wants us to go, then let's go. Mm thanks a lot you know that, that was thanks, number 10 that was number 10 yeah, I mean yeah. thanks a lot you've always spoken your mind very clearly and today you're going to be the
0: the submissive the wife submissive <laughs> wife I'm just going <laughs> no she's very submissive but just, she is very yeah, submissive yeah, I yeah. mean she's uh, but she
1: lets you know what she thinks yeah yeah and uh, and actually that is what she thought if you think if God is leading you I'm with you yeah well, let's go and do this the the Funny part of it was we got on the airplane finally. Three months later, we were on the airplane leaving uh, the United States. Um, and this whole group, my brother, his wife, the intern, his wife, the youth minister and his wife, and Colleen and I. He gets on the plane, and, and my brother's wife says, what in the world are we doing? Yeah. And, and Colleen leaned over to me and says, we're doing the right thing. Whoa. That was the, one of the most emotional moments in my life. Yeah. It? We're doing the right thing, yeah, or yeah. another way to say it, I trust that God is leading us there. And yeah. So it's kind of a long story, but it yeah. uh, it's it, it. People ask me if I'm going to stay in Chile or not. Mm. I said, probably in, unless God does something as dramatic yep. as He did to yep. get us there. Yeah. Uh, so it it's a confidence that we have both Colleen and I yeah. that, that God has work for us to do, mm. and it, I found. I love every minute of it. Even the hardest days, yeah. I love every minute of it. Uh,
0: where in other ministries, I didn't fit. Yeah. Well, you would so, tell us often when we were little, you got, you, you were like, you guys don't have the best job in the world, right? Yeah. I, you would say that all the time. All well, the do. time.
1: Because if I wasn't getting any income, people were generous to us. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a lot of money, but we had enough to live on. Uh, yeah. That's what I wanted to no, do. No, and I know that
0: because we were scrambling sometimes. Like yeah. it wasn't. it wasn't... I would say probably the last years have probably been better, a lot better than the first, because the first, man, there was tough. There was some, yeah. I, I remember that. I remember, yeah. you know, we never went hungry, but there were a couple of times we were like, mm-hmm. dude, I don't know what we're going to eat. Yeah. You know, and that was, that was real. And I remember that. Um, well, so... So here here's what here's the question that's coming <laughs> into my mind. so last night um you and I were at dinner with this lovely family from right. from downey first christian church and and uh, uh, my mom's there and my wife's there it was it was great it was a great night and uh this question was asked to t- to you specifically uh from the the people that invite us they're like, why would you guys ever go to Chile? Mm. Like so many people from Latin America, their focus is getting out. You want to get out and move into the United States to have a better life. You guys went the other way, and so the question that comes to mind is: what would you What would you say to those people who are trying to navigate this balance between faith and comfort? Because mm. on on the one hand, you want to to provide for your family. You want to, you know. Give your family the best life ever, but at the same time, you want to live a life of faith. Mm -hmm. So there's that, sort of that balance that I think some people ask, like, because people, I would say people's, most people's main focus is you want to be safe, Mm -hmm. you want to be healthy, um, you want to live as long as possible, um, you know, provide for your family. But then how does that play into, like, someone's calling and, and, like, just you know, being a, living a life of faith. Cause I saw you in your life and you were a big risk taker. Like you took risk, risk, risk. Like from our perspective, it was like, wow, that's a big risk. But then we would always see God come through. Mm -hmm. And so there was something happening there in your relationship with God, as you led us as a family that you were saying, just, just trust just Mm -hmm. this, like, and you would, you would tell us things like, um, like how, I think I would ask you questions like like when do you like know like the mm-hmm. will of God and this is what we're doing and you would mm-hmm. say this you would say <laughs> when I when I know that if I don't do it I'll be disobeying
1: right yeah I, I know that's kind of a backdoor answer I, I would like to be saying I know when God gives me the conviction that I need to do this right
0: or when He speaks to you audibly or shows up you right. know
1: I I've never had God uh, speak to me audibly. But I've certainly sensed his spirit and his, and his leading, because when you when you pray, especially when you're praying about things that take you out of your comfort zone, and uh, I, I've told people and tell them in Chile all the time, it says, if God doesn't call you to be a pastor or be a, a, a teacher like it talks about in Ephesians chapter 4, or into ministry, then you minister wherever you are. Yeah. Uh, you there are so many things to do in ministry, but there are certain things in calling, and especially a, as a missionary, and I don't say this with any any sense of uh, of pride. It, it's a thing of if you're convinced it's God's will, it's either you're crazy mm-hmm. and I've been called that uh, on not a few times. <laughs> this is either crazy or it's God. Yep. you're either hearing his voice in some way or or you're just hearing something else and trying to pass it off Mm. as God. And I wish there was a simple formula that you could say, this is when I know it's God, Mm. and this is when I I doubt. But if you doubt that it's God, Mm. you probably shouldn't do it. If you're going, yeah, God, I think he's calling me into this ministry, but, uh, and you put up all of these obstacles, God is sharp enough that if, like with us, I wrote out 10 things. I said, I've got to know. I think our prayers need to be very passionate, uh, very humble. Uh, You know, if you're calling me, I've got to know for sure. Give me something. I mean, you even go back to Moses. Moses made all kinds of excuses. And God gave him his right hand man Mm -hmm. to speak for him. Uh, He gave him a staff. He gave him uh, the things that he needed. Uh, maybe we feel like those things are a lack of faith. Mm. But for me, I'd like going back to saying I'm sure God called us here, yeah. not because of the result, but because of the process that he took us through. Mm. And uh, I think the best thing that anyone can do if they're thinking that God might be calling you into ministry is connect with, uh, with your pastor, mm-hmm. with other leaders, yeah. and have them struggle through you uh, through the process with you there there's nothing better than having a partner in prayer yeah that will tell you i'm not feeling this mm-hmm. i mean on the list that i made of 10 things i i said uh to god if uh my family my parents my, uh, relatives uh think that we shouldn't do this that's the answer for me mm. we're not going to do this uh they all said yeah we'd hate to see you leave mm. but This is right. My best friends, we said, I didn't tell them the the answer, but I said, uh, we're now thinking about the possibility of going to Chile. Would you pray about it with Mm. us? And every one of them, even our dearest friends that we didn't want to leave said, Mm. uh, we feel that God is calling you there. You you need to go. Uh, Of course, our commitment was two years. Mm -hmm. I mean, two years goes by and nothing. And Mm -hmm. even if we hated it, we'd go back and say, well... God led us there for two years, and that's great. And most missionaries don't go uh, like like we have. That's right. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're nope. short-term missionaries. They're yep. visitors. They're preachers, teachers, helpers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that we've been there 45, 46 years now uh, is is only God's grace and a confirmation that um, uh, we can serve Him in this way, yeah. and, and we still want to be faithful in that service.
0: Yeah. Well, we're at 34 minutes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so, if we can, because I know we told people that we were going to go through some questions. And so, I'm gonna just, we, let's just hit these real quick. Okay. We don't have to go deep. Let's just do like a one minute sort of popcorn thing. So, this is a, a so, what are the requirements to get baptized? And can we take communion if we have not been baptized through the, through the Christian church? Well, those are key questions
1: because mm-hmm. when you're talking about baptism and communion, you're talking about the two symbols that represent our faith and and our obedience to christ yeah and, and baptism i i love the story of, of philip and and the
0: ethiopian eunuch yeah it's Acts chapter eight by the way if you guys want to look it yeah.
1: up yeah oh it's it's a great story because he's explaining uh philip's explaining to the ethiopian man on his way home mm-hmm. uh what the scripture is is talking about because it's complicated in terms of uh, the prophecy that's it's talking about Jesus, but mm-hmm. this is an Old Testament prophecy. Yep. And he explains it to them. And then then the Ethiopian asks the question, what hinders me from being baptized? Yeah, like, why can't I do it? Yeah, is, is it all right now? Yeah. And, and I think that answer serves us really well, like what we were talking about uh, the other day. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, I was super convicted about that question in the sense that I actually wrote it down in my notes that we should be ready to baptize people every single Sunday. Now, we are, because we have a baptistry and everything, but I think that we should start having an open opportunity in that moment for people to be baptized, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because what are the requirements? Like, a lot of people, Mm -hmm. they wonder, like, oh, I'm not going to be baptized because I don't feel ready. Well, what does that mean, ready? I mean, when you say, I don't feel ready, it's— that, that idea is based on the assumption that there's something that you have to do in Correct. order to be ready. And Correct. that's not the way it is. It's the no. other way around. It's it's putting your faith in what Christ already did for you. Yes. And that, that makes you ready. And so I would say uh, the requirements, well, I love our tradition because mm-hmm. our tradition says where the Bible speaks, we speak with the Bible silent, we're silent. Yes. And so uh, what the Bible says about communion. And what the Bible says also about baptism is these are, these are sacraments. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- what they do is they symbolize a, uh, they, they symbolize externally what you believe internally. Wow, And so it's it, a great way to express it. Yeah, yeah. And so it's, it's basically saying, this is, it's like marriage. Mm-hmm. Like if you're like marriage, there's the wedding ceremony and there's the ring, right? Mm-hmm. So the ring I would say in a way kind of represents communion mm-hmm. and then the, the wedding ceremony represents baptism. So, the marriage is the event. You right. know, you get married, and people are there, and you know, you set a date, and uh, you know, baptism is the same thing. It's a big event. You set a date, everyone's there. You get baptized, and it's a public declaration of of
1: what you believe. Exactly, I, I, I've decided to follow Jesus. Right, and the first step is is being baptized.
0: Right, right, and in the same way that that marriage is the the biblical way of officially starting a a relationship with a with a with a spouse. Um, baptism is the biblical way of starting your relationship with Mm. Christ. Mm. And so uh, then you would say the other kind of a tag along is, well, what about communion? Do I have Mm. to be baptized? Do I have to be baptized to take communion? Mm. Well, we're not going to be checking people's baptism records before we give them (laughs) communion. But what I would say is it it wouldn't make sense that you would be baptized and then refuse to take communion Mm. or take communion without being baptized because they're kind of the same thing. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna get married, but I don't want to wear the wedding band. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's like it
1: doesn't. No, I hear you. It. I, I think part of the question was, uh, do I have to be baptized in the Christian Church? Oh, that, right, and, and right. that's that's kind of a, a neat question it because is. in in many churches, if you come into a certain denomination, you have to be baptized again. Yeah, uh, they they won't accept your baptism in the Christian churches. It's not that way at mm-hmm. all. Uh, you're baptized into Christ. Mm-hmm. You're not baptized into a certain denomination and
0: uh, that makes all the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, next question. Um let's go th- go through these pretty quick here. Um is divorce accepted by God? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, uh that
1: give a 30 second answer to that. Mm. Uh, there are scriptures that that uh give us um motive. Yeah. Uh, but as a pastor and as a Christian, uh, I've always fought together with the couple, or even if only one person is interested, uh, to, to do everything possible to keep the marriage together. Mm-hmm. Even, uh, e- even if it's very difficult, there, there are so many excuses these days to not fight for your marriage. Yeah. And marriage is, is the symbol of, of Christ in the church. And in that symbol, Christ did everything. I yeah. mean, when we talk about the obligation of of the man, it's uh, to love your wife as Christ loved the church and yeah. gave Himself for the church. And, I, and when you, I, I usually talk uh, to the to the man very uh, bluntly mm-hmm. uh, about loving the wife as Christ loved the church. I don't know of any man that has loved or wife as Christ loves the church, yeah. but it's it's a great uh, model for us right. that we, we continue to go. Even if you go back to the Old Testament to the prophet uh, Hosea, mm-hmm. you mm. find in the first three chapters, that was far from a perfect marriage, but he kept on, and he yep. kept on. I've known in my personal life uh, people who have separated and never and didn't get a divorce for years and years they didn't get a divorce even I know a couple who did get a divorce and got remarried again Mm -hmm. because they based their new relationship on Christ yeah and that made all the difference Uh, so I don't know if that answers well the question but we all need to to give everything that we can yeah not expecting it sounds weird but not expecting anything in exchange that you receive we give everything we have and and going into marriage that way is very helpful. Mm-hmm. I'm not going into marriage for what I can get out of it. Right. I'm going into marriage because I'm going to give myself yeah. to this other person. And
0: yeah, the expectation of marriage is many times is I'm going to get married to be happy. Right. You know, right. and of course there's happiness in marriage. But if you're walking in with that goal, mm-hmm. you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Because, because I would say more, you know, in in my experience, what I've seen and, and truly what I believe the Bible teaches is that the marriage uh, covenant is uh, is resulting in your sanctification mm. because you're realizing the huge gap that there is between, yes. you know, the love Christ had for his church and the love that you're feeling for your wife. Yeah. You know, um, so I would say to those who are out there and they're like, oh, man, I'm so I'm so tired of this marriage or this or that, you know. Maybe the question is, when should I stop being patient? Mm-hmm. When should I stop forgiving? You know, when should I stop giving another chance? You know, what? When should I stop waiting for this person mm-hmm. to change? You know, yeah. and the answer to that question is, well, when did Jesus stop for you? Right.
1: I, I remember uh, years ago, before it was, uh, we were missionaries. A guy came to me and asked the question. He says, "I am so tired of this marriage. Mm. I just want out of it." And I said, "Well, do you love your wife?" I don't feel anything feel, for her anymore. Yeah. I just, and I said, uh, "Can you?" And I'm not giving this a, as advice, but it is the advice that I gave to this man. I said, uh, "What would you do if you would act like if you were in love? What mm. would you do if you if you felt it? Yeah. What would you do?" And so I just gave him. I was a young pastor at the time. I said, hey, "Try to act like that. Try to try to do what you." think that you ought to do even though you don't feel anything it wasn't it was less than a month and he came back and he says thank you it's the greatest thing once I started that uh, our marriage turned around wow I, I just didn't feel it and so I wasn't acting like I was in love
0: yeah You know what, what it's, it's interesting when Ephesians chapter five talks about, he says, you know, uh, submit to one another out of Mm. reverence for Christ. Right. You know, it's not out of reverence for one another, because, uh, this is something that I usually say when I'm, when I'm performing Mm. a wedding, Mm. uh, because there's going to be moments when the spouse is not deserving for you to submit. That's Mm. why you don't submit to them. Because if you use them as a reference point in order to submit or to love, um, you're always going to fall short. But if you look at Christ yeah. You know, you submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, then you have an unlimited source of. And yeah. that's when that beautiful sort of, um, uh, 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 what's the word, like a retroalimentation, like a the synergy. Like a synergy takes yeah. place, yeah. you know, and that's, that, that's a beautiful mar- marriage. Right. I heard Andy Stanley once say a, a, a good marriage is, is a submission competition. <laughs> it's something like that To where it's like No, no. you No it's just You want to serve one another all right. right We're almost out of time here So Did we ever tackle the um, The um... The eschatology questions Yeah Did we <laughs> No We didn't right Okay no. So I'm just going to read through them If that's okay, okay. So um, Who will be on earth For a thousand years And why will the beast Be Loosened again To confuse people mm. Okay Next question These are all eschatology questions When will the rapture Occur uh, when the Antichrist arrives, or three years later, hmm. and then the next one, these are all related. And we'll, we'll end with this: When we die, will we sleep and wait for the return of Jesus, or will we be immediately in His presence in spirit? I think that's First oh. Thessalonians, oh, that no. last one, or Second Thessalonians. I think it's Second yeah. Thessalonians, or First. I'm sorry, First, First, First. Yeah, those
1: those are great questions. I you need an hour or so on each one of the yeah. questions to really give a reasonable answer. But in that, I I know that there are some uh, very good books that would be helpful. Yeah. That uh, I would suggest um, the
0: reading of uh, maybe Josh has a suggestion. Can I recommend one? Yeah. Yeah. One I read this one recently, so I'm going to read it again. I'm actually I actually might do a sermon series on Mm -hmm. the book of Revelation um, in the in the next few months. The book is, I can't remember the name of the author right now, but the name of the book is uh, Reading Revelation Responsibly, Mm. which is a really cool title. Great title. Yeah, and it talks about just how how to properly interpret the book of Revelation, because as I've shared before, the the Bible isn't one book. It's Mm. a collection of books. It's a library. So when you open the Bible, you picture yourself walking into a library. And in the library, you have different genres, right? Mm. You have history, you have poetry, you have, you know, um, what have you, nonfiction, etc., so when you read a, a book of the Bible, you have to, first of all, know what you're reading. And one of the reasons why Revela- the book of Revelation can be can be so confused, confusing is because you have three genres in the same book. Mm-hmm. You have prophecy, you have apocalyptic literature, and you have a letter. It's also a letter. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it gets, this book is great because it, it unravels, not perfectly, because it's, let's just face it, It's mm-hmm. a, it can be a very confusing book. Sure. Um, I think it was St. Augustine who said that, you know, because he was like, "I'm okay with adding revelation into the Bible as long as it's not taken as prophecy, and it's never used uh, to to um, to predict the future." And that's exactly what we've uh, we've done with it. So
1: I, I think uh, that uh, uh, inquisitiveness that's within us uh, leads us to want to have have great answers. I uh, when I look at, it, I I think young people, especially those that watch these uh, superhero movies Mm. and uh, uh, it's a genre that uh, I have trouble connecting with but they have you have the images of these monsters and these beasts and and you have a whole story that has a backdrop that's saying something more than a hero that's that's winning a battle yeah and I think they could capture that I remember when I was uh, younger the Beatles came out with the song, The Yellow Submarine. Mm. We all live in a yellow submarine. Yeah. Some of you guys might remember that. Uh, it was all symbolic. Everything was symbolic. Mm-hmm. Where, what is this all about? Or, or even uh, a song by Peter, Paul, and Mary was called uh, a Puff the Magic Dragon. Mm. Boy, that caused all kinds of stuff because people didn't know what they were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the Book of Revelation, the, the, the largest part of it, is exactly that. You're, you're having these images of wars and battles and kingdoms and nations and kings, and uh, it, there seems to be a timeline, but mm. then you get into the middle of Revelation, and the timeline seems to go back and start again. Yeah, uh, That's why it, the, it's divided among those that are called the premillennialists or the uh, postmillennialists or the amillennialists. Because the millennium is a 1,000 years, so you're asking, when is Jesus going to come back? Right. Before or after? And the all-millennials will say, I don't really know, but it seems to not be so chronological as we would like it mm. to be. Uh, when I was in college, the, the book that everyone had to read then was The Late Great Planet Earth. Mm. It was really popular for about 20 years and it was basically the theology that comes out of the Baptist Church, uh, which was premillennialist, and uh, it seemed to help people in and putting things in a chronological order. Mm. But that was always debated too: is yeah. is it really that way, or is this right. his interpretation? Right, uh, our tradition in terms of Christian churches of. What the Bible speaks, we speak, and where it's silent, we're silent. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we do well to ask the questions because yeah. they're legitimate, but to say, my opinion is exactly that. Right. And right. someone else may see it quite differently yeah. going to the same
0: scriptures. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, re- I definitely recommend that book, um, uh, Reading Revelation Responsibly. Uh, maybe I can look it up here real quick so I can give you the read.
1: When you, when you first look at, at the book of Revelation, you're starting out with with a vision of, of Jesus and and the letters to, to seven churches, yeah. and that's per, fairly straightforward because there's recommendations from there, but then you're transported uh, into heaven, and yep. you're getting a glimpse of heaven, and then you're not sure what you're seeing. You're seeing the beasts, and you're seeing the, these animals, and uh, sometimes some books uh, yeah. will be helpful. Before you sit down and, and, and try to figure yeah. it all out. this is
0: helpful because it unpacks it. Now, I don't—honestly, like, it's, it's really helpful because it gives you a kind of a clear vision of what was, what was the intent of the book, what was the intent of the author, mm-hmm. what was the political situation uh, that uh, the church was going uh, through in that moment. So it's really helpful, and it's really—it's e- an easy mm-hmm. read, too. It's not, like, mm-hmm. really, like, like um, dense. So uh, it's Michael J. Gorman— Michael J. Gorman. And so it's, it's reading Revelation responsibly. So wonderful. wonderful. Highly recommend it. Um, I think we're good. This was fun. <laughs> it was fun. I, I could, enjoyed it. I could keep going. Uh, we, we've not done this kind
1: of a thing before. And, Never. And I mean, we talk all the time, but, uh, you know, it's, um, you know. I'm, I'm glad people were listening in. If yeah. it was helpful, wonderful. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. All right, you guys. See you next time. Thank you. Lord bless.